address myself in Kashmir. Woo, 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 woo. I address myself in $100 freedom flags. Who made this code? Hugo Boss, Armani, you set up broke hell. My life just start, Jack. You keep your mouth shut, I'm gonna go in and slap your face. I ain't leaving. I'll wear a $15,000 Rolex and you get on Space Mountain. You'll be like this. Gentlemen, from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Binge Buster Show, coming to you right here in the studios of Charlotte, North Carolina, the home of the Nature Boy. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm excited about this week's uh, show uh, as we're coming off the heels of Ric Flair's final match uh, tonight, uh, me and my special guest are going to break down our favorite uh, Ric Flair matches of all time, um, and uh, and I'm I'm excited to uh, to to talk about that and go over that. And of course, we are going to touch base on the final match and uh, get our um, you know tell each each of our uh, perspective on what, what we thought of the match, what we liked, what we didn't like. Um, all that's coming up here shortly, but before we get started, I want to bring on my, my special guest. And I guess you could say, uh, my co-host tonight, I'm talking about none other than the superstar himself, Corey Etzel. Corey, welcome to the binge buster show. Now, now let's just, let me, let me clarify. Am I the superstar Bill Dundee? Or am I the masked superstar? Which which superstar? Am I superstar Billy Graham? Hey, that because that's pretty sweet too. That is good. Yes, for sure. Man, uh, I have to ask you about. You said that uh, Ric Flair being from Charlotte, but originally he's from the great state of Minnesota. I have to pose this question to you, Tony. Okay. Who the hell said Minnesota was such a great state? Man, I you know I don't know. It's it, it's it's a pro wrestling vernacular thing like Arn yeah. Anderson from the great state of Minnesota. Is it because they couldn't say many? I can't say Minneapolis either. I, don't I, know. I can't say it. I, I you know, just have been from St. Paul, Minnesota. Right. I mean, maybe? I, I don't well, know. Who decided? And who said Texas was a great state either? Like, I just, right. I'm curious. I'm not saying they're not. Yeah. I mean, but I want to offer that. Well, as, you know, as we as we start, you yeah, know. and 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 you know, talking about that, I, I know uh, uh, back in the day in the eighties, uh, the greatest ring announcer of all time, Tuck, Truck and Tom Miller, uh, would uh, he would always announce the matches in Greensboro for the NWA mm-hmm. Mid Atlantic Jim Crockett Promotions, and he would always come up with these uh, cool uh, 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 adjectives and stuff to describe these these states. But one of the coolest things I remember him saying 
is, you know, there for a while, the, it, it, when, whenever he would announce the Rock and Roll Express, it was always from Nashville, Tennessee, you know. But oh, then yeah. but then he stopped doing that, and he started saying it, from the volunteer state of Tennessee. And just the way he said it, man, is like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps now just thinking about how, how I, I, as a kid, man, 10, 11, 12 years old, I'm sitting, you know, ringside at the Greensboro Coliseum. Jim Cornette is in the ring, and he's introducing Loverboy Dennis and beautiful Bobby. And then next thing you know, you 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 hear just the drums of Rock and Roll's King, and that's all you hear after that. Uh, Rick and Robert come through the crowd, and by the time they get to the ring, the women then then ripped off most of their clothes. And I remember looking over at my at my best friend. And I said, "When I grow up, man, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be just like Ricky Moore. I'm going to let these girls rip my clothes off." And, oh, okay. Uh, I thought you were going to be the one ripping off Ricky Morton's clothes. No, I for about two fifty, you could make that happen. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure we could. I'm, I'm sure we, <laughs> we could make it happen for both of them. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, and and it was so cool because a few months ago, I was on a show with Ricky and Robert, and I was ta- telling Robert about that. Or actually, Robert was telling somebody how you know how how he missed the days when the wrestlers could like come through the people instead of having this big, long, huge ramp to walk down. And I right. said. And I told him, I said, yeah, Robert, I said, uh, uh, I said, I, I still remember as a little kid, man, sitting ringside in Greensboro Coliseum, watching you and, uh, you and Ricky come out and it take you guys 20 minutes just to get to the ring. And then by the time you got the ring, you guys didn't have no shirts anymore. He said, brother, he said, he said, uh, he said, we're the reason why they, they started making the aisles because the people would just descend on me and Ricky so bad. Dusty said, "You yeah. know what? We got to open up the aisle. We we, we got to make an aisle for these guys to come down so that they they uh, quit getting uh, you know hurt you know potent, you know hurt or whatever." And I said, "Oh man, I said that's pretty cool." But but yeah, man. I mean, you know, I I talk about this a lot on my podcast about you know how how I got started and who got me started and and you know who I looked up to, who I didn't. But uh, you know. If, if if I could just sit down and if somebody asked me, Tony, tell me three people that that you know uh, inspired you to become a professional wrestler. Uh, my my three are going to be Jimmy Valiant, Ricky Morton, and Ric Flair. And uh, ooh, uh, you got lucky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you came, you came up you came up at a good time, buddy. I did, I did. You know, it's like 93 WCW and WWF wasn't quite, you know, no. the same level. Of course I've got Brett the Hitman Hart, but, you, and, and I still love, I still love Sting. Yeah. Obviously. But, but and you, I still love Hacksaw Jim Duggan, but, but you also had, <laughs> I'll take your three, but you also had, um, Scotty, you know, <laughs> talk about weird, weird, you know, people not, not, not to be inspired to, uh, you had Scotty Flamingo. <laughs> you remember Scotty Flamingo? Oh, you, you know, oh Robbie V. <laughs> Robbie V. Uh, also, yeah, um, uh, Van Hammer. You had Marcus Alexander Bagwell. <laughs> uh huh. I mean, uh, Vinny Vegas was also huge. The Cole Twins. Yeah, dude. You know who we should have gotten for this? We should have got Seymour Snot because me and him could go on a like a 1993 WCW deep dive for hours. Like this is how we spend most of our mornings. Yeah. Like I usually get up about six a.m. Uh-huh. And I'll always watch something just about every morning. Right. And uh, here lately, it's been like going back and watching Saturday night from uh, 93 and 94. Uh-huh. <laughs> and me and him were just because ex- ex- he watches it in the evening. I watch it in the morning. So either I'll see it first and then he'll talk about it later in the day or he'll see it first and I'll see it the next morning. And we go back and forth about these guys, man. It's such an interesting show because 
even as silly as it was, it still felt like a wrestling program. Right. Yeah. Yeah, sure did. Um, uh, speaking of uh, early 92, 93, I, I don't know if you had a chance to catch it, uh, but the Binge Buster Show had a episode a couple of weeks ago, um, and the Black Scorpion came on to the podcast. Uh, and, you know, and that that was, what, 91, 92, whenever he, whenever he was? Uh, that was 1990. 90, okay, 1990. yeah, yeah. So yep. I'm, I'm, I'm yep. still a couple years behind. So, uh, but yeah, we had that. But, uh, but yeah, man, it's like, you know, a lot of people knock, uh, those, those, those years of WCW. Now, granted, um, it wasn't 98, 97, it wasn't 86, 87, but, um, yeah. there, but there was some cool things going on. Uh, not every match was great. Not every, not every angle was great, but they no. had a few during that time that really, um, you know, caught my eye, like, like, Especially when uh, you know, I just mentioned the Rockland Express. Uh, who would have ever thought the Rockland Express would have broke up? And Ricky Morton uh, turns on Robert and joins the York Foundation. Uh, right. That was a huge shock. Of course, they they you know they uh, uh, built it up, and then uh, as fast as they built it up at the, the same speed, they they tore it down um, and killed yeah. it. And of course, that, that that was probably the best thing to happen to Ricky because he left and went to Smoky Mountain and. Uh, he and Robert had a you know another good run, um, but uh, but I mean yeah they did have that one great match though at Great American Bash ninety one yeah yeah it really was like that was the best match on that show like I can't I, I remember Sting and Nikita in the the Russian Chain match right yeah um, I remember the abysmal scaffold match um, and that's no not a knock on Bobby Eaton or. Or no. Steve Austin, it just was was terrible because of yeah. the tag teams and yeah. who were their partners? Uh, it was Austin and uh, was it was it Austin? I don't know. I, I, I'm, I I'm not prepared for that. Yeah, I, I, mean, I know I, PN News was up there. Yeah, that's all I remember. Yeah, I think PN. I, I think PN News was Bobby Eaton's partner and yeah, uh, Steve Austin and um, man, it wasn't Zabisco. Um. No, they weren't going to be able to pay Zabisco to get up. No, there. that's uh-uh. for sure. No, I, I can't remember who it was now, but but I know it was somebody in the Dangerous Alliance. I'm pretty sure. I might be wrong, but I, I'm thinking it was. But yeah, I, I'm with I've you. Got that, this that, fancy that, tool called the internet. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was sitting there thinking the same thing. I'll Google it and look it up. But uh, I'm going to Google it, and it's going to piss me off. Yeah. And of course, uh, talking to PN News. Uh, uh, and, and and we're talking about when when Ricky turned on Robert at that same clash of the champions. Uh, that's when uh, Johnny B. Bad has had 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 kind of came in, and he was still doing his really flamboyant gimmick and looking like Little Richard. Mm-hmm. And uh, green as grass. Uh, yeah, green as grass. And he, he ended up calling PN News a big old ugly bear. And I thought that yeah, was pretty yeah. pretty funny. But uh, but he it was up, Austin and Terrence Taylor. Terrence by the way. Taylor. Okay, that's it. Okay. Um, so, so I guess that was pre, um, dangerous Alliance. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, they would have still been running at York foundation and then they, but but yeah, that, that, that definitely was, uh, not a very good, um, pay-per-view for sure. But, but, but like you said, the Ricky and Robert match was, was really good. I remember it seems like in that match, uh, Ricky ended up ripping like Robert Gibson's tights and, and pulling off the brace and working on his leg. If I remember right. Right, because Robert had had the knee injury the year before in 90. Yes. Which put him out, and that's why uh, Ricky ended up teaming with Tommy Rich a lot. Right, yeah. 
Yeah. And then, and, uh, and, of course, that makeshift tag team beat the Midnight Express in their last night in WCW at Halloween Havoc 90. But. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it seemed like during that time, man, there were so many changes going on. It was hard to keep up with who was there, who who wasn't there. Midnight Express was mm-hmm. gone. Midnight Express wasn't gone. It was just, it was so, so much confusion going on at the time. But, um, but you know, uh, luckily we we got past all that and uh we made it to 96 97 when the NWO was hot and uh of course Flair Flair and the Horsemen were just as hot and uh uh then then of course we had the whole character change of Sting uh so re- a really good time you know to 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 be a wrestling fan during that time and um some really cool stuff going on but um our podcast today we're talking about Rick Flair's last match uh, mm-hmm. if, if, uh, if any fans didn't get a chance to see that, um, you know, if you can go back and check it out, I'm sure that you can find clips of it on uh, YouTube. Um, but, uh, Corey, were you able to sit down and watch any of, of that match at all? Or, 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 or did uh, you just see the highlights? I saw the whole thing. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I was very impressed with Andrade and Jay Lethal. Yes. Um, because, I think Jeff Jarrett, maybe I don't, I don't know to an extent cause I wasn't in the ring with him, but I feel like visually just watching it from the outside, looking in, they kept Ric Flair from going too far. And I respect them for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. Because I think that, uh, cause I know I, I listened to his podcast. Um, and I heard him tell, um, Conrad, he said, he said, I'm going to, I goes, I'm going to do the, the, the um, the uh, slam off the top. I'm gonna do it. And mm-hmm. Conrad's like, yep. "Oh dear Lord!" He goes, and uh, yep. and and he said, "I'm and and he said, I'm bringing two blades, one for me and one for Jarrett." Is 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 the last Oof. thing he said on his podcast. And and yeah. Conrad said, "Good Lord, you don't have to do that." And he said, "Oh, I'm right." Do-. I goes, and he said, "I'm Doctor Flair." He goes, "I goes, I do my best when I'm bleeding." So Oof. so so he didn't he didn't pull no punches. So I knew going into this match he was going to get color, and I knew the minute he, that that he went to the floor that that's what was about to happen. But I think yeah. I think that Jarrett and them were trying to prevent him from doing that because I'm with you. I remember seeing at one point. Um, matter of fact, Jarrett got up on the apron and thought that Jay Lethal was going to throw was going to throw Flair back in, and Flair cut mm-hmm. him off. And then Jarrett yep. went down, and then Flair cut Jarrett off, but then Jarrett no sold it, and then put and then grabbed Flair and threw him in the ring. Yeah, but but but, um, but, but by I, that I time he was already so. bleeding. Yeah, there's also another. Um, uh, I don't. I, I'll, I'll use the word. There was another spot. Yeah. In there, it's clear as day. Flair wants to go to the top rope. Yeah. Flair is is physically trying to maneuver himself to the top rope, and he just physically can't do it. Right. Uh, he has Jarrett set him up there, and then I guess he wanted Jay to come underneath. And Jay's like, "No, sir, get down." Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> no, yeah. sir, get down. We are not doing this. <laughs> uh huh. I remember seeing that because I was like, "Oh, he sit up on the." Because I I guess he was trying to get superplex is, is what it looked like to me. Right. That's that's what I was assuming too was the yep. superplex, and yep. Jay's like, "No, sir." Because he just gave him a, a beautiful vertical, and you know Jay, Jay Lethal's a great, uh, phenomenal wrestler. But yeah. uh, there is a a version out there, and I don't know if it's still on YouTube or if it's been taken down. 
but you can clearly see Mick Foley, uh, Bret Hart, Undertaker, and DDP's face as this match is unfolding. Uh huh. It gets uncomfortable for him. Ah. You can tell. Like, it gets very uncomfortable for him. Yeah, I, w- I would love to know what The Undertaker was saying to Ric Flair after the match when Flair walked over and greeted them. Um, yeah. I, I saw The Undertaker. He leaned in and was talking to Flair, and and Flair kind of yeah. put his head down. Um, I would I would love to know what exactly what The Undertaker said to him. And and hopefully maybe one day Flair, Flair will tell it on his podcast. But um, – but I, I'm telling you, man, it it was uh it was definitely um uh, it, I enjoyed it for for the most part. Um, but I I was a lot like the Undertaker and Mick Foley and them. Um, there near the end, I was concerned, especially when they were going for the finish, and Conrad throws the brass knucks to uh, Andrade. Uh, Andrade walks over and and hands them to Ric Flair, and Flair's just laying on the mat. He's not moved. He's not getting up. Yeah. And 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 yeah. you you can see him tell Flair you got to do this, and yep. he, and he puts the he puts the the brass knuckles in Flair's hand, which end up being Flair's left hand instead of his right hand, uh, and mm-hmm. Flair is still laying there, and Andrade actually physically picks Ric Flair up, and helps him yeah. up to his feet, and then Flair throws you know throws the punch, um, and but then the other thing I I, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, and I'm I'm not going to say who said it, but I I saw a post on Facebook where someone had uh, had mentioned that 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 they read Ric Flair's lips. So after he put Jeff Jarrett in the figure four, uh, you notice Flair went to his back, and so did Jarrett. Mm-hmm. Um, so this 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 person's Facebook page, and th- this person is is highly highly uh, up there in the wrestling business, um, mm-hmm. but. He 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 posted that Ric Flair looked at Andrade and said, "I passed out." Yeah, I've heard. I heard that. Did you see that? Yeah, I heard so that as well, yeah. I mean, you know, but you know, and like I said, we're not here knocking Ric Flair. I mean, I hope when I'm 73, I can I can still walk to the ring, much less go on there and <laughs> and, and, and and put on a match like like he's like like Flair put on. Um, sure. I feel like if that match would have went 10 minutes. Um, I think that it, it, it would have been a much better match instead of going 20 mm-hmm. or 25, whatever it went. Um, yeah. But, you know, one thing a lot, a lot of people don't understand is, um, and, and, and they may not realize this, um, but Ric Flair is 73 years old. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he's had several surgeries. He has a pacemaker. Uh, yeah. Just for him to be able to get in that ring and go 20-some minutes that he went really shocked me uh, in itself, right. you know. And, uh, and of course, you know, everybody think you know, the one thing Ric Flair, and if you're in the wrestling business, you know what I'm about to say, but the one thing that Ric Flair was always famous for was his cardio. I mean, his yeah. cardio was, in, was, was insane. Uh, you know, they didn't call him the 60 minute man for nothing. I mean, literally he'd go in the ring, uh, with guys like Barry Windham, Dusty Rhodes, Ricky Morton, Ric Flair, I mean, Ricky Steamboat, uh, Nikita Koloff, Magnum TA. I mean, the list goes on and on. And he would have sixty minute matches. Shoot, I've I've seen him and Ricky Steamboat go ninety minutes and at a couple of right. house shows. So, you know the the man the man was he was a beast in the day. So for mm-hmm. him to to do what he did, it was still I mean very commendable. Um, I just uh-huh. I just hope that 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 this really is his last match. And I, I feel I like think it the is the big thing. 
I, I the big thing I noticed was uh, on the Friday before, I guess one of either Ricky Morton or, or Ric Flair had posted a video of them locking up in the convention hall. Yes. And the first thing I noticed, and I, there are several people that will back this up because I talked about it the next day at the show I did, his legs looked so odd to me. I was like, oh, no, his legs are gone. Yeah. And Tony, I don't, I don't think people understand wrestling and the wrestling in, our, in, in the ring, our stage, our, our, it's not like it's not a trampoline. Right. It's a very odd surface. And if you are not, if you're not conditioned to it, man, it will tear you apart. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons wrestlers typically have such big legs is because of the ring. Like, I, I think a lot of people don't even take that into consideration, but that is right. a, a lot of the reason people have such big legs, mm -hmm. uh, especially the guys that can go, because that's where, you know, I, 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 I'll be honest with you. I think running and moving in a ring beats me up way worse than any bump does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Like yeah, I could, I could bump all day. But if I had to chase somebody and did it, do it for, you know, several hours, I'm done mm -hmm. and I have big legs. But when I saw his legs underneath him, I was like, oh, my God, they're on a concrete floor. Yeah. And his legs aren't underneath him. So that was a scare. And then when I saw him in his trunks, I was like, ah, man, his legs are gone. Yeah. Yep. It's um, like a boxer, basically, like when your legs are gone. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's going to. So, but. But no, I will never knock a guy for wanting to do this. No, never. not at all. Never, I never, mean, never. And, and but I don't want anybody to get hurt. Right, exactly. But, 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 you know, I think a lot of this, uh, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people talk and I've heard uh, several posts on social media where um, people are like, well, Flair's broke, you know, uh, Flair's this, Conrad's that. Um, I don't think it was any of that, and and I know Flair is not broke by any means. I mean, I I listen to his podcast, I, I follow him on social media, I see the things. I mean, this man's out and about. <laughs> he's 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 what? you know he's got a new he's got a new boat. Uh, he's living down in Tampa, Florida. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you something I heard one time. Okay, I heard Joe Rogan say this. He met MC Hammer, and uh, or, or somebody who was on the podcast with him had met MC Hammer. And they said, Hammer, I thought you were broke. And he goes, he's like, oh, no, I'm MC Hammer broke. I'm not you broke. Right. And the guy goes, oh, I get it now. Mm -hmm. Right. So and, and that, yeah. being broke to Ric Flair is a whole different, you know, yeah. than me or you being broke. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know he's getting huge payoffs. When when yeah. uh, he goes and, and does these um, autograph sessions, these public appearances, uh, I mean he's he's got his hand in a lot of stuff, but um, I think he has his his son-in-law to thank for that because I know I had talked to a mutual friend um, that was trying to book Ric Flair, uh, and when they were trying to put a deal together, uh, my friend offered Flair a deal, and Flair said, "Well, let me run this by Conrad, and I'll get back to you." So that that yeah. that let me know that Conrad um, is is definitely helping Flair out, which is great, you know, because uh, sure. you know, the the wrestling business, the entertainment business, it's all it's changed so much. Uh, it's not mm -hmm. like the old days where you get booked by a promoter and promoter says, "Okay, come on in, I give you five hundred bucks." Um, 
Well, there's a lot more money left on the table, and if Ric Flair is the man that's bringing all those people in the door, well, he needs more than five hundred bucks. Um, sure. And and Conrad's a businessman, so so not only that, but but he Conrad has got his hand in all these different sponsorships, and so now Flair has got all kind of businesses on the side now. Uh, not so he's not doing just um, autograph sessions and public appearances and comic cons. He's uh, got you know his own line of of healthy foods. Um, I, I think um, Mike Tyson's got Flair hooked up with some uh, edible uh, you know uh, cannabis uh, uh, business. Yeah. I mean so so you know he's Flair's going to be okay. So he definitely didn't do this for the money. Um, I believe in my heart, and I don't believe it. I know because I heard him say it. Um, when, when uh, back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, whenever it was that uh, that he, that WWE had him do that um, retirement match, he wasn't ready to retire yet. And but but they were they were wanting to go with you know younger people, and they 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 just felt like that was a good time to have Flair go out while he's on top. But he wasn't ready for that. And then he got the TNA and did it there. Didn't really like it there. And so I think that this whole Ric Flair's last match deal, uh, it was his way of going out, you know, on 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 his terms instead of some other promoters. Right. Seems reasonable. Yeah. Especially having you know the JCP name associated with your last match. I think that's a big deal for him too. Yeah. And and speaking of that. Um, my question to you is, do you think that that's the last JCP show that we're going to see, or do you think we're going to see more? Off the hip, absolutely not. I think uh, I think the family had an idea of what's been going on with wrestling lately, but when you put it in their face like that, um, I, I, I don't see how, you know, how they couldn't, like, hey, maybe we should do this again. Yeah. Um, my only question is, you know, what will be your drawing card on the next one? Right. I mean, I'm sure there's something mm-hmm. or, or something that can, you know, cause the rock and roll express can always have their final match on a Jim Crockett promotion show or, right. or yeah. something. Yeah. You know, that there's, nature. There's, there's so many, but, um, yeah, but, but there's yeah, I, left. I, I did hear that Conrad Thompson has acquired the rights to the Jim Crockett promotions, uh, name. And I mm-hmm. heard that he acquired it and gave it back to the Crockett family. Um, okay. Now, now that that's hearsay, but that's that's what I heard. Yeah. Um, and I also heard that um, that uh, that they are anticipating, perhaps maybe, uh, doing more than than uh, just this one. Because because here's the thing: if you look at that production, um, it it looked. With with exception of of the building being so dark, um, mm-hmm. the whole the whole thing was it, it was a very high production. Like there was a lot of money yeah. invested in the production of that show. I mean, they had this nice set, they had the huge screens, they had the 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 whole Jim Crockett promotion stage, um, the ring. I mean, everything uh, looked like a you know. A, a, a promotion that that you'd see all the time, so I I think that in, in the future it, it, it may not be the next couple of months, but I would say by next year um, it could be a monthly pay per view. 
Ooh, monthly. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I, Wouldn't surprise me either, but no, I, I, mean, um, I, I think so. So you didn't like the dark, the dark out arena. Um, I did. I, I did like it. I, I liked that better, but I'm just saying like, like, like to as, as under like today's standards of, of a television production show that yeah. that's not what you see. The whole arena is lit right. up and you see everything. Um, I like it that way, which because, is terrible in my opinion, because I think it takes away from yes. what's going on, you know, yes. right in front of you. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, because um, I don't know if you've noticed, but in boxing now, they have the arena lit, but the crowd is lit with black and white lights or blue lights as opposed to yes. white light. Mm-hmm. I've, I've noticed that. So it does not take away. It's interesting. It, it creates an ambiance to it. But the the ring is lit properly, and then the crowd has like this tone over them. I really like it. I think maybe mm-hmm. that'd be something to look I, into. Yeah, I do like. Well, you know, I, if if you remember, um, in nineteen eighty seven, when uh, Crockett Promotions was still running, uh, they started doing this during the Great American Bash. But then they kind of continued it throughout for the next few years. But they would light the ring up white, and then the rest of the arena would be dark. But the first two or three rows, you could see, but it would be red and blue lights on on their faces. Oh, uh, yeah, really, it was really cool ambiance, like you said. Um, so that that was kind of cool. But I also know that one of the reasons they were doing that is because the arenas were starting to get empty, so they were right. blacking it out so the people couldn't see how many people wasn't up there in the stands. But um, yeah. but I mean, any any event, I mean. Uh, um, I, I I like it that way. I, I think it looks I, I, because at the end of the day, the the ring the ring and the people in it are the, are, are the attraction. That's the stars. Right. I don't I don't yeah. want to see some fan holding up a sign. I, I you know I'm, nope. I'm not I'm not paying to see that. I'm paying to see the action in the ring, and that's that's what I want to see. Um, but yeah. yeah, so that that that's just my take on it. Um, well, as 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 we're talking about our, our podcast here, and and we talked about Ric Flair's last match. Uh, what I want to talk about um, is like our favorite Ric Flair matches, and it could be a match that we saw in person, a match that we saw on TV, or maybe something that we didn't see, uh, you know, during the time that we was watching wrestling. But as we went back on the network, we found it. And go, oh wow, I, I didn't know this match was there. Uh, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and you know, originally I was going to plan uh, me and you and Chris uh, talking about you know our favorite match and breaking it down. But uh, Chris wasn't able to be here tonight as we're recording, so um, so it's just you and me. So I was thinking, if you want, we'll uh, talk about a couple of our matches that kind of stand out in our sure. mind um, and break yeah. them down as as to far as what what made it as good as it was. Um, and and I'm I'm gonna blow some people's minds because a lot of people say, uh, oh, you know, you can't beat a Ric Flair Ricky Ricky Steamboat match. Well, you you definitely you sure. can't. I mean, it's impossible. Th- those guys had better chemistry than anybody. Uh, even Flair will tell you that, um, but mm-hmm. I think, but I think there's other people that he's had matches with that are that are really good, uh, and that really captivated the people, uh, and and it may it may be more than one match with that person, or it could just be one. But um, but 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 like tonight, I want to kind of break that down and kind of get your your thoughts and your opinion. Um, so I'll I'll start with you first. Uh, what what is what is one of your all time favorite Ric Flair matches or moments? The first one was basically as a kid, 
it was I had just started watching wrestling earlier in the year, and I really enjoyed what I was seeing. Um, I initially got into WCW, and this would have been 1993. And the first thing that really sticks out in my mind looking back is Flair and Vader um, from Starcade 93 in Charlotte. Yes. There's a lot of reasons that match stands out to me, both from uh, a, a child fan perspective and now as a, as a wrestler uh, worker. What stood out to me as a child is, and maybe it was for all the wrong reasons, but regardless, it made me, it developed an emotional attachment to it. Um, the fact that Ric Flair was 43 years old. Now, now that's nothing, right? Exactly. And even then, to some degree, it probably wasn't a huge deal. But it was Ric Flair at 43, quote unquote, past his prime. Because no matter how they um, projected Flair or presented him, he still looked like he was so much older than everyone else. So I remember in the household I grew up in watching wrestling, um, they always talked about how old Flair was. It's like, oh, he's an old man, he's an old man, he's an old man. Well, I was legitimately in fear <laughs> for him against Vader. Which, knowing now what I, you know, what I thought I knew then, I, I had every reason to believe that, right? Right. Um, one of the things that also really helped that whole angle was Flair putting his career on the line. Yeah, because it wasn't a, a sure thing, right? Like now, if somebody did it, you'd absolutely be like, "All right, whatever." You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have the same effect anymore. So him putting his career on the line and then that whole, just having mean Gene Okerlund pick him up at his house at the beginning of the pay-per-view Yes, and having him say goodbye to his wife and his kids, dude, that was good. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. I, I, so I like that part. That was like a real, I think that's part of the reason I had an emotional connection to it, right? Well, looking back on it as a wrestler now, I think the reason I like the match itself so much is because Vader is not going to let Ric Flair just go in there and be Ric Flair. Like, no, son, this is my yard. Mm-hmm. This is, you're in the ring with me, Flair. You're going to do what the hell I want to do. And Flair had to fight him tooth and nail to get anything out of him. There's even a famous story where Vader shit cans him and Harley Race goes over to him and picks him up and says, Rick, you got to start punching him. Yes. And Rick rolls back in there and he starts going to Vader's ass. And it's excellent. Flair's got the busted mouth. I mean, his teeth are jacked up. I mean, he went through a war. And uh, he, he comes out on top. It's not a pretty ending, which I think, make, to me, makes it better. Because if Ric Flair would have went in there and slapped the figure four on Vader, I'd have been like, oh, okay, that's cool. I might not even remember it, but to this day, 
I remember him clipping Vader, Vader hitting his head and him rolling him up one, two, three. Don't know why. But it just was so, it was such a shock ending. Um, and then him coming out, which I don't think I have seen this since, and you might be able to correct me, but they were doing their post-show sign-off with Ventura and Shivani, and Flair, after going to the back, actually came back out for like an encore ovation. And I've always thought that was so neat, especially because yeah. it was his hometown for sure. Yeah. Um, I'll also add another cool moment was Slamboree 97 when they did the six man tag with the NWO in that same building, but it still wasn't as cool. Like I, w- I was even there live for that. And it didn't, it didn't feel as, as authentic as the start K 93. So that's my number one. Yeah. And, and, and I'll have to agree with you on that because I was actually at star K 93 and, uh, mm-hmm. that, that was like my first. Okay. So rewind a little bit. Um, the last, okay, so as I was a little kid, from the time I was probably nine years old um, until I was 15 or 16, uh, my dad would bring me to the Greensboro Coliseum every weekend. Now, mm-hmm. Crockett, it, 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 it kind of all started at the same time. So Crockett was starting to come into some issues, um, mm-hmm. but the Greensboro Coliseum shut down for like a year, excuse me, because – they were doing renovations. They were adding more, right. you know, more, more seating capacity to it. So they were shut mm-hmm. down. So Crockett wasn't coming to Greensboro. And of course I was 16 years old. Uh, and I was starting to kind of lose interest in wrestling. I was getting more interest in girls and, uh, and I thought I was gonna be a rock star. So I'd gotten into music. So I, I kind of quit watching wrestling from like probably the end of 90 to like 90, two-ish so a couple years i quit Uh watching it um yeah so uh but at the time you know i so 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 at that time um so they they reopened the greensboro coliseum this was probably 92 it was it was 92 Mm -hmm. um and so at because at the time i believe ron simmons was the world champion um and so but but i remember that night they uh done like a uh I believe it was a six man tag was the main event, but it was um Vader. Um it was Vader, Rick Rude, and I wanna say maybe Steve Austin um against uh no no Flair wasn't there yet. Um that's right, Flair wasn't there yet. So so it had to be ninety two. Um but uh Vader was the world champion, um and it was Vader, Rick Rude and Steve Austin in a six man tag for the main event. Uh, and they they took on Dustin Rhodes, Ricky Steamboat, and Sting. That was the uh, okay. that that was the main event on that show. And so, but but it didn't draw very well because I mean it, the business was down. Um, so from that yeah. point, um, I kind of quit watching wrestling. And um, then uh, I guess uh, August what it was it was August of '93. Um, I started training to be a wrestler. Um, and, but I hadn't been watching it. And so one of the wrestlers there said, Hey, uh, Starcade's going to be in Charlotte this Sunday. You, 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 would you like to go with me? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll go. And so he got tickets and he and I went and, um, but I remember going there and I'm like, Oh wow. You know, all these people that, that, that was there working that show. Uh, I'm like, wow. I thought nasty boys was in WWF because the last time I watched wrestling, that's where they were. Um, right. 
And so, but but it was a really good show. But but I'm with you. That that was one thing that stood out to me was after Flair had won had won the match, went backstage. Uh, the the crowd was chanting, "We want Flair. We want Flair. Yes. We want Flair." Yep. And of course, I know the show had went off the air because they had started turning down the lights on the ring. Um, mm-hmm. But Flair came back out, and man, the place went crazy. And he stood out there for a good six or eight minutes. Uh, to, and that was the first time I ever saw Ric Flair cry. Mm-hmm. Was at Star K ninety three, um, and uh, but but I remember him saying it in his promo. He said it's very emotional for me because this is the first time I've had my family on television. So yeah, you know, so that that was the main thing. And then I also heard him say that that night in Charlotte was the first time that his parents had came to watch him wrestle since since he wow. first started. So they were there too. Yeah. So his parents were there, his wife, his kids were there. Um, so it's a big deal. And, uh, uh, of course, shortly after that, they are already making plans to take the belt off of him and put it on Hogan. Um, yeah, but still though, I, I think that that was a great, um, a great moment for flair to not only, um, win the, win the world title, but he, but he won it from, you know, won it from Vader, um, and I remember them um, building it up as the 10-year anniversary of Starcade. Uh, uh-huh. And Tony Schiavone said uh, on the show, he said, he said, how ironic is this that in the main event of Starcade 83, mm-hmm. Flair and Harley race, and now here we are, main event, Starcade 93, 10 years later, and Harley race is still there. Uh, oh, he listed them all off on the show. Yeah. He's yeah. like, 83, uh, Flair and Harley, Flair came out on top. 84, Flair and Dusty, Flair came out on top. 85, Flair and Dusty again, Flair came out on top. 86, Flair and Nikita Koloff. Flair. He went through all of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, And 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 that's another thing. A, a lot of people, and I, I'm kind of get off subject a little bit, but a lot of people talk about, you know, greatest announcers of all time, Jim Ross, Jim Ross. Yeah. Jim, Bull, Tony Schiavone. I will, you know, no, no knock to Jim Ross. I know Jim Ross has a lot of information, but I had much rather listen to Tony Schiavone call a match than anybody Uh else. Uh, And and it might be because his name's Tony. I don't know. No, but, but, but (laughs) I think you're biased. (laughs) I might be a little biased, but, but seriously though, I really, I, there's something about Tony Schiavone and David Crockett calling a match, man. Mm -hmm. I just, I just, I love it. Uh, And 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 I think that was another thing that that actually made Ric Flair's last match so so um, important and so great oh. was the fact that Tony Schiavone and David Crockett were calling matches together again. So it was like stepping sure. back in time, man. Yeah, well, it's interesting you say that because uh, in my head, my favorite pairs are always has have always been um, Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura. Yes. Um, and uh, Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think it's because of that mental connection. Like, they were my first. Yeah. Now, as far as, like, actual play-by-play, authenticity, legitimacy, uh, I don't think you can beat Gordon solely. But, no, no. But I, I, I agree with you. I think Tony Schiavone is definitely up there. I always thought that he got a bad rap in the Nitro era. Yeah, he did, and and I think it's just because that he was basically Bischoff said this is what you say, this is what you say, and and because um, because I remember hearing Tony Schiavone talk about one time he said that the, you know the night that they told him 
uh, on, on the other show, Mick Foley, uh, Mankind, or guy used to wrestle here is Mick Foley, is going to win the world title. <laughs> That's going to put a lot of butts in the seats. And he said right. that was the worst thing he ever said in his life. And if he could take it yep. back, he would. But he can't. Yep. But he had to do what his yep. boss told him. His boss said, this is what you say, and that's what he said. Um, that one line changed the course of wrestling history. It like, did. I mean, yeah. you can almost pinpoint it to that line. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. You know, the 83 weeks, that's when everything kind of, like, it shifted permanently. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, and 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 I admit I I like Mick Foley. I've met Mick Foley. He's a super nice guy. But me as an avid wrestling fan, and and it's probably because I'm a wrestler too. Um, I, I respect the big bumps that he took in the ring. But mm-hmm. you know, to put him you know up there as as one of the greatest world champions of all time, that's could be be kind of hard to do that. Uh, but right. but if if you're looking at as, as a technical wrestler. You know that from from that standpoint, but as somebody that was able to draw really well and still does, uh, he's definitely up there for that. And uh, uh, and 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 he's over with me because I worked on a show with him a, a while back, and uh, uh, I told you about this before we went on the air. But my son was my son comes to the shows with me, but you know he doesn't really watch the wrestling. He just hangs out in the dressing room with the boys and plays yeah. video games and. I work my match. I come back, and there's Mick Foley sitting next to my son, asking my son about the game he's playing, which I thought was yeah. was was really cool. So, uh, and and then of course, uh huh. I, th- I think too. I think even Mick would probably tell you um, that Mick Foley would not have been world champion in any era other than the Attitude Era. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the only place where a guy like him would have been able to do it. I don't think, I mean, even now, you know, I I don't, I don't think there, there's a chance he'd be world champion. I don't think, you know, even when he was running with Vader, he was a credible challenger, but Mm -hmm. I don't think there was a chance of him being champion. Yeah. Uh, I think it was right place, right time for him. Yeah. Not that he didn't earn it. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, he he and The Rock had great matches together. Him and The Undertaker. Right. As a matter of fact, I was at one of the Raws one time, uh, it, and, and I'm sure you I'm sure you, you will remember this, but it was the Raw where it was The Rock's birthday, and it was in Greensboro, mm-hmm. and man, yep. and Mick Foley was like trying to get The Rock to do the Rock and Sock tag team, and uh-huh. um, but they uh, done it there in Greensboro, and. Uh, uh, and him, him and the Rock had such good chemistry, and and like you could tell that the things that they were doing in the ring, that little skit they did, uh, that mm-hmm. wasn't like rehearsed. I mean that that they they were calling that right. stuff, you know, off the hip. Um, yeah. And and I enjoyed it, and uh, and of course, and I enjoyed the stuff he did with with uh, with with uh, Vince McMahon. Um, well, not only did you enjoy it, it's also I think to this day still the highest rated segment in Raw history. Wow, the it's your life. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. It's the height. It's if if I remember correctly, because I know before that it was uh, a Briscoe and Patterson uh, segment that was higher rated, and then finally it got bumped out by that one. And I don't, I can't imagine anything surpassed it. No, since. no, that 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 was so good and entertaining. I mean, Rock comes out with. I mean, McFoley comes out with the Rock's teacher, his coach, his first girlfriend. Right. Uh, 
and and I love I love that where he's like got the, got the chick out there and he says uh, he says you know uh, he's like you know you uh, tell the rock you know do this do that and he's like he's like and you you told the rock rock do you want to touch my leg you know whatever and he said the rock the rock went in for the leg he goes and you cut the rock off at first base <laughs> and uh, but 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 it was a build up for it and then, and then he said and then you're gonna try to serve the rock a piece of that poontang pie and when the, mm-hmm. I remember when he said that man the Coliseum went completely nuts um, yeah. it was crazy but uh, I'll tell you another uh, inside story about that about that particular show so I was there with another wrestler and he was there with uh, with with this girl that um, uh, that I'll I'll, I'll, re- I'll, I'll just leave her nameless but uh, but she was she was into a lot of wrestlers, so that 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 that's all I'll say. Uh, she was into. Oh, is it the same one from before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one I told you about. Yeah, is yes, it? yeah. Same, is it the same one? Oh same my god. Chick, same shit. Same so, shit. Yes. Yes. So so she comes with me. Get her name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got uh, five from a year ago to get her name. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, she's disappeared. You know, she she's she's done the Houdini. So I haven't seen her on on online in a it while. Might be our fault. Yeah, but uh, there's, there's people in Japan like Facebook her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I uh, so we're at the show, and um, um, of course I was uh, I was I was on one of my marriages, and uh, well, <laughs> one of my marriages, one of my marriages, because you know she was married, I wasn't, but uh, <laughs> that's why we say my ex-wife, I, she was married, I wasn't. Um, but, but, but I was at that show and, um, there was a, there was a couple girls over like to the right of me and I was trying to, I was talking to them. Um, but this girl was getting hot because I was talking to these other chicks and, and, but then, um, Jeff Jarrett, uh, had, um, what's her name? Deborah with him at the time. And, uh, and I think Jeff was starting to do a little feud with China I, I think he mm-hmm. was in China that night, but um, but anyway, um, uh, China came, uh, China come to the ring, and of course at that time Miss Kitty was was with, was with China, and she was dressing like her, and so she was out there, and of course Deborah's out ringside, and everybody's chanting, "We want puppies, we want puppies," and there's this little kid behind me, and of course at this time I had no kids and and no thought of having kids because I was young, but um. <laughs> But the, but behind us was like a whole row of kids. Like I'm talking like twelve to thirteen year olds, right? And the whole the whole the whole friggin' row behind us. Um, and of course they're they're, they're loud, and and all of a sudden uh, it gets a little quiet in the arena, and everybody's chanting, "We want puppies!" And then they kind of quit. And then this one kid behind me goes, "Forget the puppies! I want to see the pussy cat!" And dude, wow. I went nuts. I popped. I start laughing. And my my part my my buddy that was with me his name was Kenny he's laughing man me and him's got tears in her eyes he spit his beer all over the guy in front of us um it was so funny and and so while me and him are laughing like like a couple of guys from from DX this chick turns around and starts chewing us out she's cutting a promo on us and she's like Tony what are you going to do one day when you have a son and he says something like that. <laughs> and so I looked at I looked at Kenny. He said, "Oh shit!" 
I said, I'm going to look at him and say, that's my boy. <laughs> yeah. High five him, right? Yeah, exactly. So, but, but, but I remember leaving that show, man, and she didn't speak to me for like, I don't know, a couple of days. And then she called me back and says, I was having a bad day and I was feeling a little jealous by the way he was acting. I'm like, wait a minute, jealous? Man, what are you jealous for? We ain't together. Come on now. Yeah. But, but it was so funny though. Uh, but yeah, that, that was kind of an inside, uh, inside funny story. Not only the Rock cutting a promo on the on the chick, I was cutting one too. But, <laughs> but yeah, but funny stuff. But but I guess uh, we're carrying on. But uh, one of my favorite uh, Ric Flair matches um, was was one I've got to see uh, live in Greensboro. Uh, this was a house Ooh. show, and it was um, Ric Flair against Barry Windham. And really? okay. Yep. And this was probably eighty seven. And mm-hmm. uh I can still remember like it was yesterday. Ric Flair came to the ring in that green peacock robe, um, wearing green tights or, or I'm sorry, green trunks and green boots. And JJ had just started coming to ringside with him. And so mm-hmm. <clears throat> so he and Barry Wyndham uh went at sixty minute draw. And there, Ooh. and there at the last, uh, you know, the last minutes, uh, Ric Flair, you know, uh, missed something and then Barry started making a comeback. And at the time Barry was using that, uh, flying lariat. So yeah. their timing was, I mean, it couldn't have gotten no more perfect. So the, you know, the, the ring announcers counting it down, you know, 10, 10 seconds, nine, eight, seven, and they start going these sequences and Flair, does a reverse. I mean, I'm sorry. Barry does a reversal on Flair, hits Flair with the uh, with the lariat. They go five, four, boom. He hits him with the lariat. He waits a second. He covers him, and the ring announcer goes three, and he doesn't say two or one. He stops at three, and as he yeah. and and as he does that, Tommy Young cover the Barry covers him one, two, and right as he hits the three, the bell rings. That's brilliant. Place goes crazy. Uh, Barry grabs the belt. Tommy Young shaking his head, shaking his head. No, 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 no. He says, "Time limit draw," and and Flair said, and Barry's like, "What? You got to be kidding me!" You know. And Flair's over in the corner. He's getting. He's coming up. And um, uh, no, no, I'm sorry. I, I'm re- so Flair had Barry in the in the figure four when the when mm-hmm. the first time limit draw went out. That's right. Time limit draw. Um. So then, while Barry's down holding his leg, Flair Flair says, "You know what? I want five more minutes with you because I'm not done beating you up yet." And so yeah. then they start working again, five minutes. Now this one, they go, you know, you know, at the ten, the, the five second mark, Barry hits him with the lariat. One, two, boom, three. The the bell rings. Barry thinks he got the belt, but Flair is out from the lariat. He's knocked out cold. So then Barry gets on the microphone. He says, hey, Greensboro, there lays your world champion on his ass. And then, yeah. he, and then he took the belt and left with the world belt, um, and, which I thought was, was really cool. I love I loved that match. I love the way they built it up. And then the fact that, they, that, that we actually thought we saw a title change right there. Yeah. I mean, it was so believable because Flair had him beat, and then he asked for five more minutes because now I just want to beat you up. And then Barry makes a big comeback, gets the lariat, and everybody thinks he won the world title. Um <clears throat> that 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 was that 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 was one of my favorite ones that kind of sticks out in my mind. Um can you imagine like 
hearing about that on a house show nowadays. Oh man. Yeah. Like, could you, could you just like imagine getting online like on a Sunday morning and seeing that Roman reigns with, you know, Broadway with AJ styles the night before, like it blow your mind. Right. Right. It would. He did it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Every night, 60 minutes with somebody every night. That's how he created stars. I remember yeah. uh, also talking about this. Uh, him and Ricky Morton, you know, they 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 would do matches, and but back in back in those days, Ricky Morton smoked. He smoked cigarettes, and Ricky Ricky used to tell us. Uh, he told me this story several times. He said uh, when when he was working that program with Rick, he said every night they were going sixty to sixty and ninety minute Broadways, and he said mm-hmm. so when when they first started working together. He said, Rick walked in the dressing room and Ricky sitting there smoking a cigarette. And he said, Ricky, what are you doing? Ricky said, what are you talking about? He said, man, quit smoking. He said, because, you know, I'm, I'm going to blow your ass up tonight. Ricky said, you ain't going to blow me up? And Rick Flair says, you keep smoking. I'm going to blow you up in the first 10 minutes of the match. Ricky said, nope. Yep. And and Ricky said, and I, he goes, he blew me up, but I never let him know it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yep, there it is. But, 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 but he's talking about how crazy Ric Flair's uh, cardio was, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and then we talked about that early on. Uh, now, what what is your next uh, favorite Flair match? Um, after I got into wrestling, the one I like the most, just because I mean, it just it just stands out, is uh, Flair and Funk. I quit from Clash Nine. Oh yeah. Um. The, the whole, again, it's it's really weird that my favorite angles with Flair are him as a baby face. It's yeah. really strange because I think almost everyone's probably the other way around. But when he found a heel who could get sympathy, you know, I think it worked really well. And, and Terry Funk was like a guy who, you know, attacked Flair, power drove him on the table. And then, you know just was this maniac again. It was like, of course a different situation, but this guy can like hurt Ric Flair. Like, you know, attacked him with the plastic bag on TBS. Right. You know, um, like stuff like that. Like, it's like, this guy will kill Ric Flair. He may not beat him, but he's going to try to kill him. Um, and then, you know, they, they had that match in New York, which uh, an amazing match just, you know, and, it's one of those matches. I, I saw a clip of Triple H talking about the moves mean nothing. It's about the emotion behind it. And if you want a perfect example of a match that is all emotion, uh, Flair and Funk is a great example of that. Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, because, like, you know, you son of a bitch, you tried to break my neck. And then, like, even in the end, when Flair's like, you're going to shake my hand, damn it. Shake my hand, you know. He didn't want him to shake his hand out of respect. He wanted him to shake his hand to acknowledge, you know, I beat your ass. Mm -hmm. That's why you're shaking my hand. It ain't out of respect. It's because I beat you, and you're going to acknowledge it. And that that sort of thing was, you know, that was was very good uh, in retrospect. Um, There's probably several I can think of, but... Uh, that one, you know, and another one as a wrestler, I'll tell you, I appreciate greatly, but for a far different reason. 
is Flair and Luger from WrestleWar 90. Oh, yeah. That that was a good one. That might be. I, I, I don't know if anybody's got a better example, but that might be the greatest 30-minute carry job on pay-per-view ever. Yeah. Like, because something after Luger's, Luger's heel turn, like, he did great as a heel. Mm-hmm. But his work kind of suffered. Yeah, because like because whatever he had as a baby face, he lost it. Even though he was a great heel and he had good matches with Steamboat and Pillman specifically. Yeah, it's, he lost something. So when they flipped him baby face and put him in there with Flair, it's almost like I don't know what to do with my hands anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, so it's a very drastic example of him going in there and carrying something. Yeah, and and I think one of the things there because. Cause I remember when I, when I first started, um, I, I refused to work baby face. I was like, Nope, I'm not doing that. Cause right. I, I want to be heel because, um, I know as a heel, I can go out there and piss people off, but as a baby face, right. I can, I, I can't interact with those people unless I'm, unless I'm pissing them off. I, I, I can't, yeah. I, you know, I just can't do it. And even now on, on shows and I've been wrestling longer than, than I care to remember, but uh-huh. uh, but even now to this day, when I work when I work a match, if I'm in a tag, um, I don't I don't go around the ring and tag the people's hands. I I might tag a few on the way to the ring, but when mm-hmm. I get when I get to the ring to the ringside area, I go straight to the ring. I don't go around the ring tagging people's hands. Um, right. I I don't I don't do it because I don't. I just feel like, you know. That that that's not my character. That's not what I I, I I I'm not comfortable doing it. So I just don't do it. Yeah. Um, right. Um, but it also goes back to you know, I can work babyface now. I mean, I can. Um, but I choose not to because I just uh, I'm a much better heel. Uh, and I enjoy being a heel much better than I than I do a babyface. But the heel character that I do now. Is I'm 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 kind of like a an old I'm I'm just the old guy that's still around. Um, I'm you know I do heel tactics, but I may not really be a heel <laughs> if that, if that makes sense. Like I don't I, I, I don't I don't try to bury the people like I used to. Um, but I'll right. get out there and I'll say ref he's pulling my hair when the referee goes to check. I'll give him a little shot to the head or whatever. But um, yeah. But you know I I don't I don't go out there and tear people down because. Everybody does that now. So now I'm doing the opposite of what all the heels are doing today. Um, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean you actually want people to get angry for you for what you're doing in a wrestling match to somebody they like? Right, right. I mean, how yeah. dare you? I know. How, how dare, dare me? You? How dare me? Right? How dare you do that? I rather I rather do that than get on the microphone and tell them how bad their town sucks. Wait, let's face it. They already knew how bad their town sucks. They they live there. I don't need to tell them that. That's usually why they get angry because they don't want you pointing it out. Right. <laughs> but if I get in there and beat up their hero, um, I feel like I get more. And, and, I, and if I do it in a, in a hillish way, I get, yeah. I feel like I get more heat from that than I do get on the microphone and talking for 10 minutes and taking up, you know, time I could be in the ring doing my match. So that's, that's kind of the way I, that's kind of the way I'm working these days where in the, in the past I get on the microphone and, and um, I I steal a bunch of Scotty McKeever stuff, <laughs> and uh, and 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 talk for ten minutes. But now I, I I choose not to do that. Now I may do that my next show. I, uh, from what I understand, uh, there's a a uh, uh, couple big shows coming up 
next week uh, up in the in the western part of North Carolina. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely booked on one. I'm hoping to get on another one too. So, um, but I but I guess that all that remains to be seen. But uh, but but my other uh, Ric Flair match uh, that I enjoyed, um, you, you, you kind of touched on a little bit, but uh, the uh, comeback match that they had, uh, he he and Terry Funk at the Great American Bash. 1989 uh that that was the one where the match ended flair got the pin but then they brawled through the whole uh, coliseum for the next 20 minutes uh muda and funk and flair and sting um and and then after that flair cut a hell of a promo um talking about you know hey we're just getting warmed up we're just getting started and after two and a half months i'm just breaking a good sweat uh so basically he was just telling funk you know Hey, we uh, might have beat each other up, but man, this ain't shit. Cause I just, I, I'm just breaking sweat, you know? Uh, right. Right. Uh, an interesting note about that match. I believe Terry Funk kind of broke a tailbone. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I remember picking that up somewhere along the line that he had a broken tailbone in that match. So that makes it even better. He right? probably broke it when uh flare straddled him across the, the barricade. It wouldn't surprise me. That, that, that had to be, that had to be when, when that was. Yeah, um, but yeah, that uh, you know, that's kind of my honorable mention, but, but probably my favorite match I ever saw, um, was, uh, Ric Flair and, uh, Ricky Morton. Uh, they, they, they had a heck of a buildup, um, to, uh, to, to their feud. And, uh, I've got a little clip that I want to play. Uh, you know, what I liked about the Crockett days was they, they, uh, didn't just say, okay, tonight Flair's going to wrestle this guy and they went for it. They usually would start it um, on Superstation TBS, and this clip, this clip I got is actually the beginning of the Ricky Morton Ric Flair Summer Feud of 1986. All right. All right. Put that camera on the world champion. Forget about those turkeys in the audience. You know what? As you know, oh so very well, I am probably the finest connoisseur. Uh, beautiful women. I'm talking about women with full sweaters, you know, the big girls. So one of my big girls the other day asked me to give you this. And she said, <laughs> she said, tell Ricky Martin, if you may, to give this to one of his little teeny boppers. So, whew, how about that, sport? In other words, I like the big girls, and you like the little teeny You know, you're about a considerate food. I mean, you come out here, brother, you talk about all the things that you've got and what you're going to do. But it wasn't too long ago, Rick Flair, all these nice people right here stood behind you and made you what you are today. Now, without these people out here, you're nothing, and I'm nothing. Are you trying to tell me that when your name is Ric Flair and you're the world champion, that you gotta have a whole building full of people to carry on. Wherever I go, I don't care if they love me or hate me because I love myself and I know that I'm the best for Ricky's got it! 
I mean, that right there, Chris, uh, sorry, um, Corey. Uh, how dare you? I know how dare. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but uh, that right there, man, it just uh, it blew me away uh, w- watching that again and remembering exactly how uh, how all that went down. And, uh, man, re- uh, that angle was so hot. And, uh, of course, it, it started there in Superstation TBS Studios. Rick Rick Flair comes out and gives uh, Ricky Morton uh, a training bra and uh, mm-hmm. accuse him of, uh, of liking little girls instead of girls with full sweaters like Ric Flair had. But then uh, they, they shot that angle on television. But that night, I saw this match live. Uh, they did a eight-man elimination match. It was a uh, Dusty Rose, um, Magnum TA, and the Rockland Express against the Four Horsemen. And the last two in the ring uh, was Ric Flair and Ricky Morton. And Ric Flair, or Ricky Morton, beat Rick, beat Ric Flair in, in a small package. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, we couldn't see this because at the time it, the production wasn't it wasn't there. But our but if if back in those days when you went to the Greensboro Coliseum to see a live event, uh, they they had this big tunnel, which, which, which you know, still there. We call it the tunnel, uh, but that's where baby faces came out at. But then over to the to the right, or I'm sorry, to the left was was a little um, kind of a, a half moon uh, shaped area, and that's where the hills mm-hmm. that's where the hills went to. But really, it all came together. But you, the people didn't right. know that, right? But uh, this particular night, uh, Ricky, uh, Dusty, and after Ricky Morton pinned Ric Flair, um, Dusty and Magnum and Robert, they come out and they, they you know, uh, meet Ricky and they give him a high five and they walk back to the dressing room and the horsemen are standing in the ring all pissed off and you see Ole point to the dressing room and the horsemen take off, but instead of going the horse the, the hill dressing room, they went through the baby side. So the yeah. people in the Greensboro Coliseum said, oh, well, they're going back there to get them. Uh, but you didn't know that for two weeks. But then two weeks mm-hmm. later, you turn on the TV and you find out that the Four Horsemen left half of Ricky Morton's face in the Greensboro Coliseum. And from mm-hmm. that point on, that feud was on uh, the whole summer yeah. of 86. But not only, uh, if you think back, back in 1986, the summer, the Great American Bash was on tour um, and the um, – the uh, selling feature of that paper of, of I'm sorry of that Great American Bash tour was Ric Flair was going to defend the world title against all the top stars of the NWA. So each mm-hmm. night he was working somebody else. First night he worked Robert Hawk, and then he Animal, and then Magnum, and then Dusty, and then uh, a couple other people. But then on that tour at some of those Mid Atlantic towns. Uh, like Charlotte, he worked Ricky Morton in the cage. So not mm-hmm. only was he defending the title, but here's Ricky Morton trying to get some revenge. But on top of that, first first they rubbed his face in the concrete, and then right before the bash started, they ended up breaking Ricky Morton's nose. So Ricky was beat up through the whole during the whole bash. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah. but my my all time favorite match was uh, Ricky Morton against Ric Flair at, at the uh, Great American Bash, 1986 in the cage. And what was so cool, the storytelling of this match was R- Ricky Morton's face was busted up, his nose was broken, um, but but he wore a protective mask. So the the psychology of this was as he and Flair would get in the ring and they'd start working, of course, Ricky's bumping Flair here and there, but then Flair would get a little heat and he would try to take that 
protective mask off Ricky's face, and Ricky would mm-hmm. fight it off. And they would build yep. that up for a little while. And then finally, they'd get that mask, they'd get the mask off of Ricky. Flair would beat him up, throw him into the cage, and he would get get the nose, bloods everywhere. Now you think he broke his nose all over again. And they'd do that for 10 or 15 minutes. And then Flair would miss something. Then then Ricky would throw Flair in the cage. Now Flair's time to go, you know, just to, to start being a doctor. He'd doctor up himself, and now he's bleeding, and now uh, now we got a bloodbath, and then right at the end, Ricky misses something. Flair gets, sneaks in, gets the upper hand. Um, I, I think the finish of that match, if I remember, uh, Ricky came in, Flair tripped him, foot on the rope, one, two, three, got the you know he got he got the cheating uh, pin. Um, but I but 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 the reason why I it could like this be a match, different one because I, I I watched one today. It was Ricky goes for the uh, rolling reverse, uh, hits Tommy Young, gets it. Tommy Young starts coming back around, but as he's coming around, Flair pulls the tights, gets back on the top. And okay, it that's that what way, it was. So. Okay, yeah, I, I, okay. I, I knew I, I knew Flair had done something, but I, I couldn't remember if he fell on the rope yeah. or what. But yeah, um, but yeah. the reason why I liked that match so well is is the build up. Like it wasn't just like a match. Like like that match mm-hmm. meant something. Ricky's there to get revenge. Flair's there to hurt him more. And it wasn't like they just got in there and started working. Like they built it up. Like. I'm going, I'm, yeah. you know, and, and that's, that, that is what kept me interested in that match so much. It was a psychology of it. Well, the, uh, the, it, the shocking thing to me is how short it was. Yeah. Because it's only 15 minutes. Right. With entrances, it's like 30 or whatever, but I'm like, okay. I, Cause that's why I was like, is this the right one? Right. You know, that's why I was asking you, is this the right one? But then you watch the match and you're like, no, this match can't go an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It can't. No. Because the way Ricky was trying to break Flair's nose to get him back mm-hmm. and Flair like getting away from him and then finally getting that thing built. One of my little one of my favorite little things they did in there was Flair got the mask off at one point, but Ricky made a comeback and put the mask back on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, that was brilliant. Like just little stuff like that, you know, just like, no, 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 I need this. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it, that, that match was really good. Like it was a textbook example of what a grudge match should look like. Even though Flair is the world heavyweight champion and the title's on the line, Ricky, they have a personal issue. So instead of, you know, Ricky Morton going in there to out wrestle the heavyweight champion, he's going in there to hurt the champion. Right. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, it was a uh, it was definitely a, a a very entertaining match as because it, because it brought all elements in there. It wasn't just a title match; it was a revenge, it was a grudge match, it was a cage match. So it, it had it had so many so many layers to it. Um, and on top of that, it was the main event of the of the Great American Bash in Charlotte, North mm-hmm. Carolina. So, um, and uh, and 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 that's something else too I miss about those days. Like they would have those Great American Bashes. And it was like it was it wasn't just a wrestling match. It was like a celebration because you got fireworks, yeah. you got a country a country con a, a, I'm sorry a country concert. Uh, NASCAR drivers would would show up, and of course, then you got wrestling. Um, Dusty was very smart because in the eighties, all those all three of those things were really huge here in the Carolinas. Uh, country mm-hmm. music was big wrestling was big race car was big i mean it was uh so uh, you know call yourself a redneck or whatever you want to call yourself but uh you got 
everything that that you like, you got it there uh, uh, for one ticket price. You know, you got you got your nice country concert, you got fireworks, uh, and you got wrestling. So um, I, I, I really I really enjoyed this Great American Bashes. I think it was a really good concept. Oh, for sure. I think uh, the the thing that hurt them was ultimately when they tried to expand them too far out of the South. Yeah. Like, I think it was one of those things. It's just like people didn't get it. Right. No, no. You know, they, yeah. They're just like, like, you know, why Why in Philadelphia are they going to go see George Jones and exactly. you know, NWA? You know, yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. we don't get it. No. You know? so, but when it stayed in the South, it was perfect. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, especially having George Jones or, you know, somebody like that. And and they're they're singing some you know country song about the South and you're in you're up north, they're like you mm-hmm. get the fuck out of here <laughs> you know yeah um, like Baltimore I know it, it didn't even though Baltimore was a good wrestling town so was Philly mm-hmm. especially for the NWA but it's like the whole concept was kind of lost on people I think yeah well you know uh you you, you talk about that about the uh, the uh, dynamics and stuff about what what draws here and what draws there. Um, a few months ago, I went to see Hank Williams Jr. Uh, in concert in Greensboro. And that was mm-hmm. one of the things he said. He said, you know, he said, Hank, he said, I've been around a long time. And uh, he said, I, you know, I could probably sell out everywhere I wanted to go. He said, but here's here, here here's my thought. He said, I try to stay and I try to play for the people that I know will appreciate my music. He said, um, yeah. I had a promoter call me. And offered me a million dollars to go play in New York City. He said, and I told him, "Fuck no, I'm not coming to New York City. I'm going fishing." Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. but, 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 but he said, you know, uh, you know, but he was smart about it because saying no, I'm not going to play in New York. Let, let's face it, you know, Hank Jr.'s got a song out called "If the South Would Have Won, We'd Have Had It Made." So imagine right. if if he went to play in New York City. I I don't think he's going. I don't think he would draw that well up there. So sure. So that he's smart about it, sense. and he's smart about yeah. it. So unfortunately, I wish that Crockett and Dusty would have been a little bit smarter about it as well. And uh, and matter of fact, I, I've heard Ric Flair say this a dozen times: if the Crockets had stayed uh, west of the Mississippi, um, then uh, I'm sorry, west of the Mason Dixon line, they'd still be in business yep. to this day. You know. Oh yeah, um, and and I believe that too. I mean, um, uh, you know, trying to go to New York and and all that kind of stuff, and uh, it just it didn't work. Yeah, and then, you know, talk about Chicago too. That was a flare town. Oh yeah, but going to Chicago is what ultimately alienated Greensboro. Yeah, so you alienated your biggest town for a big house. I mean, ultimately, you know, you did a big house, but you alienated a town you run every three weeks uh-huh. to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it just wasn't a good business move. And that was one of the things that Ric Flair said on his podcast one time. He said that when the Crockett's took Starcade out of Greensboro, it pissed mm-hmm. off the Greensboro fans and uh-huh. house sales or uh, um, house, house shows started uh, dwindling down from that point. As a matter of yeah. fact, I remember them, um, Having a Great American Bash in 1988 in Greensboro, I went to it, and uh, they they tried to give the fans everything. So yeah. on that bash, we we not only got um, the Horsemen against uh, uh, 
Dusty Luger. I'm sorry. Yeah, Dusty Luger. Because uh, at this point, the horseman was Barry, Tully, Arn, and Flair. Um, mm-hmm. But our main event on that show was Tully, Arn, Flair, and Barry in a War Games match against um, the Road Warriors. Um, no, I'm sorry. The Road Warriors wasn't there. It wasn't Road Warriors. It was uh, uh, Dusty, uh, Nikita Koloff, Lex Luger, and Dr. Dusty Williams. So oh, wow. that was the War Games main event. But then they also had a scaffold match. It was supposed to be the Road Warriors against the Powers of Pain, but a week before this show, the Powers of Pain left yep. and went to WWF. And that's part of the reason they left. Yep, exactly. That's what Barb. Yep. To, that's what Barb told me. Uh, and yep. then they put them. They they put the Russian assassins up there, and the and that and that scaffold match lasted literally five minutes. Um, and then uh, the other main event we had uh, on that show too, I believe. Was also the Tower of Doom, maybe? No, 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 that wasn't on that, that makes show. Sense. Uh, no, 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 the Tower of Doom was was on another show. Um, that was Baltimore. Baltimore, sure. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But but they but you know they they gave us like three main events on that show, and and only that. But they they were selling tickets in the upper balcony for only five dollars. Well, I remember going to the show. The balcony was sold out, and the floor seats wasn't. This <laughs> because everybody was, wow. was buying. Everybody was taking the five dollar seats instead of you know, the, the ringside seats, but, uh, you know, all those things that they tried. Um, but like I said, it was hard, hard going back into Greensboro after they, you know, pooped on them and, and took the, took, took the, the main show Starcade to, um, you know, Chicago. Oh yeah. I mean, like it didn't, did it, did it ever rebound? What we went where eighty eight was in Virginia, right? Right. No, it it, it never came, uh, it never came back to Greensboro. Matter of fact, the closest Starcade ever came back to the Carolinas was uh, Charlotte ninety three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Atlanta in eighty nine was abysmal, but yeah. that had to do with them. Supposedly, part of it was uh, they had put the wrong start time on the tickets, but I still don't think it made that huge of a difference. No. Um, mm. But yeah, it just never rebounded at all. Yeah, it was kind of kind of a kind of sad when that when that when, when matter of fact, I remember as a kid, man, when when that happened, I was I was a teenager, uh, but I remember when they took Starkid out of Greensboro, I said, I, I remember telling my dad, I'm like, Crockers aren't aren't they're not gonna be in business much longer because they're not in Greensboro anymore, and my dad's like, right. well, you know, they're they're going to towns where they make more money. I'm like, yeah, but. But the fans are gonna be mad because I know I'm mad, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I also remember, um, you know, a few years ago, WWE done a tribute to Starcade uh, in Greensboro, and I went to that show and I got chosen out of the crowd to cut a promo. And I remember I, I you know, I, I was speaking from my heart and speaking how I felt, and I and I told him I said, you know, uh, this 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 was our um, Madison Square Garden. Uh, in Greensboro yeah. Coliseum, oh, it, yeah. it was the mecca. I said, you know, when guys like Rockland Express would come out, man, this this roof would like it's coming off. I said, and most importantly, man, we are in Horseman Country. And when I said that, the whole Coliseum started wooing. I was like, wow, this is pretty impressive. But, um, but yeah, but even even so, I mean, like, I'm, I'm yeah, the the fans, the the Mid Atlantic, I say Mid Atlantic fans, um, they uh, never forgave them for leaving um, 
Greensboro. Yep. That makes complete sense, man. Yep. Unfortunately. Well, um, I think that's that that that's that's gonna conclude our podcast. I know uh 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 the I, I wanna mention this. Um coming up next Saturday, the uh NAWA um has got a huge show coming up in uh uh they're coming back to Morganton, North Carolina. Uh, that is uh, going to be next Saturday, August the 13th, with a bell time of 7 p.m., taking place at the Burke County Fairgrounds uh, at 145 Bost Road in Morganton. Doors open up at 6 o'clock. Bell time is 7. Uh, the main event on that is going to be for the NAWA Heavyweight Championship as Golden Gladiator number 2 uh, is taking on uh, Big Donnie. With special guest is uh, referee is Jeff the Hitman Hart, uh, I think he's one of the five dollar wrestling guys. And uh, then can, uh, can I honestly say that you not being Golden Gladiator two is the biggest shock of the whole thing to me? Really? Yeah. You know. You know. So so many. <laughs> I just assumed. Well, you know, it's crazy. So many people uh, have always. You know, you're not the first person that said that to me. They said, you know. Uh, Golden Gladiator number two. That that that's Tony. I'm like, nope, that's not me. And it's so, a Tony binge thing, though. I know like, it is. It really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I I remember I told the promoter one time. I said, all these people are thinking I'm the Golden Gladiator. We got to prove it to them. I'm not. So I remember uh, they put me in a tag match uh, against the Golden Gladiator, and uh, I actually it was Golden Gladiator number one and Golden Gladiator number two. Uh, me and another guy worked them, and uh, it was it was it was a fun match. And then uh, you know down the road, uh, they brought in Golden Gladiator number three, and uh, I, yeah, he was a he was an interesting guy. Uh, I kind of saw him. You start getting in the thirds and the fourths, though, man. Yeah, you start yeah. getting into trouble. Yeah, yeah, but but number one retired. So when number one oh, retired, okay. number three came in, took his place. So two and three. Sure. Uh, but the cool thing about two and three was they were the exact same size. And so mm-hmm. they were able to pull that little switcheroo thing. You didn't know who you got pinned. Sure. Uh, so yeah. that was that, that that was really cool. Um now on this show I, I have open I have put out an open challenge. Uh you know, because uh it's been a while since I've been at NAWA. Um, so, uh, I was kind of out of a title picture and that kind of stuff. So I, I told the promoter, I said, you know, put out a open challenge. Whoever wants to sign a contract against me, uh, I'll, I'll be there. And so the person that stepped up is, uh, someone, you know, uh, little, little Donnie. Uh, so now they, I found out today that the matchmakers, uh, signed that contract (laughs) and if any of you fans out there, uh, not, not sure who I, who I'm talking about. Uh, he was the star of Heroes of Burke County a few years ago, and uh, mm-hmm. so I'll, I'll be in, in there in a match against him. So looking forward to that. And uh, also on that same card, uh, AJ Frost is going to be taking on the NAWA Television Champion, the B and B. And then we got a tag team match: Ted and Carnage taking on Thunder and Dre, um, okay. Vega and Lindsay taking on Extreme and Ryder. Uh, then uh, a, a kid by the name of Fury taking on uh, uh, Jaggers. Uh, then we got Cage versus Mark Moore, and then of course yours truly against Little Donnie 
Uh, great, uh, great. Not, not to call you out, but I feel like you're just reading this card. I, you know, <laughs> I, some I of these am. matches are like I don't really know who these guys are. But. Well, you know, some of them I don't know because they're, they're they're really young. We got a kid by the name of Jackson going in there with yeah. Me. Yeah, you know, I don't know either one. I, don't, I you know, so, some of these people, you know, I'm, I'm, a, a lot, a lot of people, uh, you know, will, will tell me, Tony, you remind me so much of Jimmy Valiant. I'm like, yeah, because you know, everybody to me is brother. Because that way, I, I don't have to, I don't have to, I don't have to remember their name. Because I suck it, I suck at names. You know, that's one thing that blows me away. Like, like, okay, so if if I know your name. Then you know you've gotten over with me, or, or you know I've, I've worked on a few shows with you. But most people, I'm like, or I really hate you, one brother. or the other. Yeah, yeah, brother, 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 brother. Because I, I remember one time, man, when I first got into wrestling, I was with Boogie, and uh, we were uh, doing an autograph session at some grocery store up in Virginia. And this this woman comes up and she's like, Boogie, yeah, blah, blah, blah. and she's talking to him. And he's like, he, she's like, you remember me, you know. And and you know and do uh he goes yeah I remember you and she said you, you do uh you you remember my 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 son here and Boogie's like yeah he said well, what's your name kid and the kid I'm Johnny yeah I remember Johnny man Johnny you know <laughs> <laughs> and uh so they so hey I I got I, I got this picture here you want a picture for you guys I'll sign it for you signs a picture ten dollars it gets a ten dollars they walk away I'm like Boogie. I said, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah, sure. I said, uh, I said, how do you remember people's names? I said, because there's so many people in the world. And he goes, Tony, he said, it's like this, man. He said, if you call all the guys brother and all the girls baby, you ain't got to remember nobody's name. Brother, 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 brother. <laughs> and from that point on, man, I get on these shows, hey, brother, 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 brother. And so, you know, for the longest time, man, um, when I was just wrestling, uh, everybody was brother to me. But then when I started pr- yeah. promoting, I had to start learning people's names. And I and I and I, and, and I remember I'd, I'd ask the same guy you know, every show, "What's your name?" And and then one of my friends would call me out on it. He goes, "Listen, don't get upset. Tony can't remember he, he can't remember what he ate yesterday for breakfast, much less remember everybody's yeah. names. He sucks at names. Uh, so that's 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 something I've never been good at. Now my wife, man, she is like a walking friggin' encyclopedia." She can meet you yeah. one time, one time, and she'll she'll remember your name the rest of the day. Wow. Even when I was selling cars, man, I, I I would I would have like a little notepad, and I would walk up to these customers and I would greet them. You know, I'd give them my business card. I'm Tony. You know, what is your name? And they'd tell me, and I'd pull out my little my notepad. And I'd write their name in, and then we'd go on the test drive, and I'd pull that little notepad out without them seeing me. And I say, now John, how are you liking this car? You know, and I. That, that, that's that's the only way I can remember their names because I'm terrible uh, at remembering people's names. Now I can remember <laughs> what year, what date, what time that Ric Flair lost the world title to Dusty Rhodes, but I can't yep. tell you somebody's name. Man. It's freaking crazy nah, nah. how that works. Fair enough. <laughs> so yeah, kind of interesting. Now, uh, what about you? Uh, you got any upcoming shows coming up? Sure, absolutely. Um, August 13th is a busy day. That morning at 11 a.m., I've got a show in Eden, North Carolina at the Eden Drive-In. It's called Wrestling for Rolling Ridge, which is a uh, fundraiser event to uh, help out um, a program up there who uh, basically they – I think they do quite a bit, but just to kind of sum it up is uh, they help, you know, children with special needs and and younger adults and – they try to get them out and social, and uh, oh, I nice. know a bit of it involves uh, 
horseback riding is, is oh. a big activity they're involved in. So Very nice. That's going to be uh, Saturday the 13th at 11 a.m. Uh, myself and Bobby Yella will be taking on uh, Jeff Flowers and Sin Crowley on that card. Um, and then that evening, uh, I'll be in Vail, North Carolina for Appalachian Championship Wrestling. That's actually right up the street from you, Tony. Uh, yeah, I, that's I was about in Vail that. at Extreme. Yeah, it's at Extreme Fitness. And coincidentally, uh, you'll be wrestling Little Donnie. Little Donnie will be in the main event against uh, Superstar Sean Bradshaw for the ACW Heavyweight Title. Um, myself and Mecca are the current tag team champions, but uh, Mecca is due for an upgrade, so he won't be available for that show. He'll be down getting getting rebooted. So uh, I, I don't know what I have for going on on that show, but I'll definitely be there. That's uh, ACW's Fan Fest. So oh, nice. Um, if you have to, if you have to choose, you know, obviously make the choice as closest to you. But uh, we'll be having an event beforehand where you can come and, and meet the wrestlers and take pictures and oh, very high good. five people and, and all that. So, and but yeah, that match is uh, to be announced. Um, also coming up uh, August twenty seventh. I'll be back in Wadesville or Wadesville, Wadesboro, uh, North Carolina at the, um, you know, they, I think they renamed it to the community outreach center in Wadesboro, but it used to be, I think the church part of it is still known as harvest ministry. So you could probably find it if you look up harvest ministries, but it's off Caswell street. Uh, I'll be defending my heavyweight title against uh, snooty Fox who, you know, kind of stormed on the scene uh, this past weekend uh, and, and got a, earned an opportunity to challenge me and uh, I defeated CW Anderson and the main event of that card. And uh, those are the big ones coming up. So I've got uh, three big ones coming up. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see how um, the veil card unravels those to see who I'll be in there. Fighting yeah. With. So uh, it, it, I'm looking forward to it. it, it it's now, you know, uh, I, I like, I like to say this, you know, before going further, uh, you and I have been friends and we've, uh, uh, been on shows together, uh, golly, what over twenty some years, and uh, uh, oh yeah, and and in those twenty years, you know, no no promoter has ever signed you and I to to wrestle each other. Uh, in those twenty years, we've only uh, been in the ring together one time. Uh, one that, time that was with the uh, NAWA, you know, right down the mm -hmm. street. Um, yep. you know, it's kind of kind of interesting. Uh. Did I hear you say that uh, that you're the uh, Appalachian champion there for? Uh, uh, we're the myself and Mecca are the tag team champions. Oh, the tag um, team champions. Okay, we're the tag team champions. The little Donnie will be challenging the actual heavyweight champion for that belt. But, oh, okay. Uh, no, we're the tag team champions, but Mecca won't be available that night. You know, because he's a robot, he's got to be upgraded occasionally. I, so I got you. He'll be handling that. So I'll be flying solo. Yeah, I'll be flying solo that evening. So, yeah, I got you. Uh, yeah, one of the things that uh, that I was uh, uh, thinking about when when you said that that you're Appalachian, um, you know, I can't help but think about this uh, really nice belt that I've got here in my studio. It's uh, you know this 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 belt has got a lot of um, of uh, it, it has a huge legacy, you know. Uh, and of course it was defended that this belt was defended years and years ago, uh, there in, in this, this area, this territory, uh, in my opinion, it's the only belt that ever mattered, uh, up, up around that area. And it's, uh, the, uh, Smoky Mountain, uh, heritage championship. 
and uh, and you know, I, I've, I've had this built for a while. It's one of the belts that uh, NAWA, uh, you know, they had a tournament, and uh, of course I went in and won the tournament, but uh, uh, you know, NAWA kind of took a little break uh, for a little bit. Uh, right after I won this title, so um, I've had this belt you know, here uh, displayed in my in my studio for a while. Uh, I'm sure your matchmakers there could probably you know come up with come up with enough money to get me to come down and defend that belt against you know somebody there that might be a, a worthy opponent. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty sure they could come with a worthy opponent. Um. As a matter of fact, I, if you're serious about coming and defending that title, I, I'll put the money up myself. You can come defend it against me. I mean, you know, I, I'm not trying to break up any friendships here because, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, you and I, you and I go way back and uh, we uh, do great podcasts together. But, uh, you know, getting this belt. Don't baby face me, Tony. You know, <laughs> last year you barely got by me. You I, barely I, got by me. As a matter of fact, it was probably uh, it was probably a, a check mark on me because honestly, you you probably wouldn't have got out of it beating me uh, had it been you. So you got me at the right time. I think I, I think I, I figured out what you were doing. You knew Corey's at the very beginning of this comeback. If I get him now, I got a chance to beat him. You barely got out against me last time. So if you're serious about that, we can put this pen to paper and we can make it happen August 13th in Bale. You could put that Smoky Mountain Heritage Championship on the line. I will 100% love to wrestle you for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we can do that. I, I, I just have to... Uh... Are, wait a minute, you think you can? Are you backpedaling well, well, now? Or are you, well, are you going to? Well, it's, it's not the backpedaling. You know, I've, I've, I've got to, uh, you know, make make sure that the that the commissioner uh, of the uh, Smoky, I'm sorry, of NAWA's uh, department there of Smoky Mountain Enterprises uh, will, uh -huh. will, will be okay with, with, with me, you know, defend the belt in an area that's oh, not, that, yeah. you know that 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 that's not associated with the NAW. You are getting you're getting tongue twisted, Tony. What are you trying to say? Are you <laughs> are, are you I, taking back your no, I I tell you what. Uh, I'm I'm a man of Gun my to head. Yes or no. Yes or no. Will you show up in Vail August 13th and put that championship on the line against me at Appalachian Championship Wrestling at I, Extreme Fitness? I I tell you that what. That night, will you be there with that championship? Yes or no. I will be there with my championship and my ten thousand dollar ring jacket. And when I leave, wow. and when I leave, I'm going to leave with my ten thousand dollar ring jacket and my Smoky Mountain title. And hopefully, at the end of it, we'll still be friends. Oh, it, we, I, I'll never let a good fight get in the way of a friendship. But I always love a good fight, Tony. I, I, that, that that's one thing I always remembered about you. You know, even back in the day when I first met you, and you and I would hang out in the locker room and we'd be talking and. I, you know, I, I had no idea, uh, just, uh, how tough you were until I started seeing some of the matches that you were involved in. And, you know, I was, I was back there pulling pranks and, and ribbon guys and you were beating the crap out of them. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'm definitely going to hit the gym a little harder this week, but, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I think it's going to be a good match. Good. We'll make sure I'll make sure everything's. Signed, sealed, and delivered. And if you agree to it right here in front of God and everybody, hopefully this will be the uh, this will take over as the most downloaded 
binge buster podcast, you know, replacing well, the first one. I'm sure we did a year ago. I'm so. sure because uh definitely this is the first time in binge buster show history that I have uh uh signed a uh, a match, took a booking as 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 you want to call it, um from a guest. Uh and uh so I'm 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 excited about it. I'm and I'm flattered that that uh you would want to get in the ring with me. Uh, so um, I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Even more so now. I had I did not anticipate that coming out of nowhere. So that uh, whew, I thought it was going to be a long day, but I think I'm looking forward to it now. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, you know, it's like it's like the the sun, moon, and stars kind of lined. You know, the NAW has got this great big huge event. You know, a couple towns over from Vail. Uh, I I, I got my open challenge, and I'm sure I'll go in. Uh, def- I'll, I'll, I'll beat up little Donnie so bad that, uh, you know, who knows, maybe he, maybe he won't even make it to that show. And then mm-hmm. after, after I have a good warm up match with you, I'll still be refreshed and I can, I can take over, you know, little, little Donnie's place and then leave with the Appalachian championship. You never know. Wow. Okay. All right. All right, buddy. We'll, we'll see. We'll see about that August 13th. All right. Sounds good. Well, uh, thank you for being a guest on the show and, and your announce, and you're always welcome to come back to my show. As a matter of fact, maybe next week, you know, after, after our match is over, uh, maybe you come back and we can tell the people exactly, you you, you, know, you can go on there and tell everybody exactly how, how great I am and, uh, and, and how much. You- <laughs> All right. All right. Here's, I will make you a promise. If you beat me in Vail, I will come on here and tell everyone how great you are. All right. That's not like a plan. All right. Well, well, Corey, I will see you Saturday and fans. We will see you here next week on the binge buster show. Thank you for listening to The Binge Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.